Action Church doing well today? Everybody's good? Hey, before, uh, before we get into uh, week one of 12 Baskets, a couple of things that we have going on around here. We are entering into uh, our expansion season. Expansion offering is about seven weeks away. How many of you are excited for expansion offering? You know if you're clapping, you're a part of our church. We believe in generosity here at Action Church. We believe uh, in the obedience of God's people to tithe. Uh, and then once a year, uh, we give over and above our tithe and our expansion offering. See, at Action Church, we exist to reach people where they are and connect them to everything God has for their life. And this once a year, we expand our ability to do that. So if you're on our expansion team, uh, be looking out for a video coming your way really soon, celebrating all uh, that God did last year through our giving together. And then I'll be sharing with the whole church uh, in a few weeks as well, all that we did and all that God has for us this year through, uh, through our expansion offering. And then the church um, is still growing uh, in this season. You can see here at 1045, I'm sure at Sanford, uh, South Orlando, the, the rooms are, are filling up. And I just want to let you know that we are making room for people. If you're here at 1045 and this is a little full for you or you're watching online, that's a little full for me. Our 1230 has some room at Winter Park, 9 a.m., just a little bit of room. And then we're going to add in the coming weeks a 1230 to our Sanford location to make room for everybody that's coming there. And so... If you're a little more comfortable with a little more distance in the season, totally understand that, uh, and we'll have that available at, at our 1230 service here at Winter Park, and then coming soon to Sanford. Week one, 12 baskets. You guys ready to get into the Word of God today? We're going we're gonna to be in the same, uh, same story, uh, same passage uh, of Scripture in four different Gospels. We'll get to that in just a second. It's where Jesus fed the 5,000. Jesus feeding the 5,000. Come on, church people know how to eat. Some of you are like, when is church over? I'm ready for lunch right now. Why don't we feed just a couple thousand today here at Action Church? We love some free food. So Jesus is a miracle just for people who, who love some free food. Jesus fed 5,000 people with, with five loaves and, and two fish, and really more than 5,000 because they only counted men in that time. So really more like 12, maybe 15,000, some scholars believe, people would have been fed on this. That's a, that's a big miracle. And how many, how many of you know that Jesus uh, never misses anything? God's plan, God's will is perfect all the time, and he's in every detail. And Jesus came into the scene. He entered humanity at the perfect time for the Savior to enter humanity. First off, his example of sacrifice and grace on the cross, capital punishment, crucifixion, uh, most historians would agree was, if not the worst, one of the worst ways to die. So Jesus showed his love for you and for me with the willingness to be physically tortured and die in our place. But I want to go a little bit lighter today to let you know that this story found in Matthew 14, uh, Luke 9, and then in Mark and John's gospel as well, is a perfect illustration that Jesus could not have, have done what he did in the New Testament in 2020. This miracle of, of five loaves and two fish, not possible. See, before I was a lead pastor, uh, I started a school of ministry, uh, and we used to go on a mission trip every single year to Mexico. That's about 30 hours one way in a 15-passenger van with a bunch of college kids. How many of you know you have to really love the Lord to, to go in a van? And what I learned really on our 24-7 road trip rules was that we would never let anybody order if we stopped at a restaurant. You'd be there all day. There'd be 50, 60 of us by the end. There's no way we're going to go to Chick-fil-A or McDonald's or have it your way at Burger King. You can't have it your way because we don't have all the time. Come on, all, all parents of big families said, amen. You're going to get what I get and you're going to like it. You know what I mean? Like, whatever I get you, you're going to eat it. Jesus, he came at the perfect time, because can you imagine 
him taking these five loaves and two fish. Can you imagine the special orders that would have happened between 15,000 people? Oh, Jesus, I can't, I can't eat that. The complaints. I don't like this type of fish. I'm more of a white fish fan. White, flaky, soft. I taste fishy. Maybe I'm salmon, a little seared ahi tuna. Like I, blackened, I ordered this blackened, Jesus. I don't know why you brought me this fried fish. I don't eat fried food, obviously. Does this, does this bread have gluten in it? Like, I'm going to, I'm a little concerned that the Savior of the world did not plan enough to provide gluten-free options for his congregants. I can't do fish because I'm plant-based, Jesus. We're not going to go there. Too many offended people. Passionate. Passionate about it. I can't do carbs. I'm on keto. So I'm going to need a higher fat source for my energy, Jesus. And so... Maybe we could go steal some other kids' lunch and provide maybe something a little more keto. Got some bacon anywhere around here? Well, actually, we're Jewish, so we can't do that. I mean, I just, I don't know what, what, what. Speaking of fish, Jesus, is this fish farm-raised or line-caught? Because if it's not line-caught, I can't, I can't do it, you know. And if it's tilapia, that's not even a real fish. And so if this is like Captain D's or Long John Silver's, you're going to have to send that back because I can't. Can't be. Jesus came at the perfect time because the miracle wouldn't even exist in 2020 because we wouldn't allow it to happen. And that's a really big doctrinal conversation that we could have later on about how our opinions and preference get in the way of a move of God. But that's not what we're talking about today. That's not what we're talking about today. That's, not what we're talking about. Oh, oh. that's different. That's, come, back, come back in December. We'll do that series next year. This, 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 uh, this story. This story is found in, in all four Gospels. And if you're new to church, the Gospels are accounts of Jesus' life, his, his life that he lived for you and for me. Lived perfect, all of the ministry, all of the miracles, all of the, the parables, his, his death, his resurrection, his ascension. We, we see all of this in, in the four Gospels. There's four different perspectives of the same story. And I love that God was so intentional in giving us all four of these books of the Bible, all inspired by the Holy Spirit, but from four different perspectives. And we're going to look this week, or over the next three weeks, really bounce in and out of all four Gospels to really get some different things that, that we're uh, made aware of in this story. Because how many of you know, if, you, if we all see the same situation, we're going to leave with a different perspective, right? Like you and I, we're gonna, based on our filter, we're going we're gonna to see it a little bit differently. That's what we have here in the Gospels. Matthew had this filter writing as a, as a tax collector, as a, as a Jewish man, he had this filter of writing to, to the Jewish people. So he, he included a lot of Old Testament references. He included, excuse me, a couple of uh, chapters almost of a genealogy to connect the, the Jewish people with their heritage, with the things of old to this new covenant or this, this new thing. It was important to make sure he communicated that stuff. And really the theme of, of Matthew's gospel is Jesus is seen as the son of, of man. It was really that, that God himself had made himself a man because in the Old Testament, God would have been distant. His presence would have only been uh, um, able to be in his presence by a certain few. So it was really important that Matthew presented Jesus as the son of man. Then we have Mark's gospel, and really important for Mark's perspective is Jesus is the son of God. That he's not just a man, but that he's fully God, that he's all-powerful. That's why if you read Mark's account of Jesus' life, it's the most miracles listed. Mark really focuses on the supernatural and the miracles of Jesus. Where in Luke's gospel, Luke was a medical doctor, and so he's very detailed, very organized, really deductive in the way that he writes his gospel. And then John, 
one of the best friends of Jesus, John the Beloved, and if we, we just want to pause for a second, he called himself that. So, like, you know what I mean? Like, he, we, he thought he was the best friend of Jesus. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, just some of you have that. That's funny. Some of get that later. Like, Jesus, it's the most relational uh, gospel. It's the one kind of behind the scenes look, really focuses on the last day's ministry of Jesus, his last 18 or so days, his walk in the earth and, and going to the cross for you and for me. I want to look at, at Matthew's gospel today. Let's start there with this story of Jesus feeding the 5,000. Verse 13, let's read it all, and then I want to go back and give you some context. As soon as Jesus heard the news, and we'll talk about that news in just a moment. You can circle that in your Bible, underline it, highlight it on your smartphone, write it down. Jesus heard the news. That's actually going to be really important for our time together today. As he heard the news, he left in a boat to a remote area to be alone. But the crowds heard where he was headed and followed on foot from many towns. Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat, and he had compassion on them, and he healed their sick. That evening, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place, and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said, that isn't necessary. You feed them. But we only have five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Well, bring them here, he said. Then he told the people to sit down on the grass. Jesus took the five loaves and two fish. He looked up toward heaven and blessed them. Then breaking the loaves into pieces, he gave the bread to his disciples who distributed it to the people. They all ate as much as they wanted, and afterwards the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftovers. About 5,000 men were fed that day, in addition to all the women and children. Go back to verse 13 on all the screens. It says, as soon as Jesus heard the news, as soon as Jesus heard the news, he left in a boat to a remote area. The news is really important. And too often we, we, we read scripture without context and we would just, we would just blow over this. Like we would just blow over this. And it's so important because Jesus does maybe his, his, his biggest miracle, not his most important miracle, but, but the one that would, have, would spread. The, can you imagine the news that left that setting? Like 15,000 people just saw food multiply and they all were fed. So maybe his greatest impact, maybe his, great, maybe his greatest marketing miracle. Like that was the one. Like Jesus that dude that fed me when I have anything to eat and he fed all of us. Like his greatest deal came out of one of his most painful days. Because the news was that he just lost his best friend in the world, his first cousin, the one that paved the way for him. John the Baptist was just beheaded by Herod. He had just received word that, that the, the one that kind of raised him up in ministry, and I get that he's the son of God, but John paved the way. John baptized him. He would have watched John talk about him and, and really open doors to relationship. God used John the Baptist to pave the way for, for Jesus, and now he's dead. And Hebrews says that we don't serve a high priest that, that just sympathizes, he empathizes. So we know that he felt grief and he felt sadness. Somebody he was close to just lost their life. And now he's having to do ministry again. Says he was in a, a remote place. He was in a remote place. And I believe I was reading that, it says it twice in the first three verses in this passage. In a remote place. And I believe the, the Spirit of God spoke to me this week that there's many of us in our auditoriums, specifically watching and worshiping online, that you feel like you've, 
you've been sent to a remote place. Maybe it's COVID. Maybe it's your health or somebody close to you. Maybe it's the divisiveness of an election in your family where you think different than everybody else. Maybe it's the economy where you've lost your job, you've been furloughed, you've been laid off, you've lost friendships, you've lost things that you thought were important. You've, it's the economy. You, you're, in a, you're in a remote place. You are, you are isolated. You feel alone. And I just feel like the Spirit of God reminded me and told me to remind somebody here today or watching online that your season of seclusion does not mean you have to surrender your purpose. Like that Jesus is in a remote place, but God used him in a remote place to do one of his biggest miracles. So don't allow the world to say, hey, things are changing. They are, but the thing that is not changing is the importance of you and I seeking God and, and serving people. Jesus, catch this, Action Church. Jesus served in the midst of his pain. He didn't wait for his pain to be over. He didn't wait to get through it. He said, no, I'm, I'm hurting, I'm, I'm grieving, I'm experiencing loss. And then he serves, he had compassion. And out of, out of his brokenness, out of his pain, he was still a healer. And he was still thinking about others. But pastor, what about, what about my pain? What about what I'm going through? I'm not saying it's not a thing in your life. I'm just saying it should never be the main thing. Well, let's keep the main thing the main thing, and that, that is the mission of, of, of reaching people. That is to know God and, and to make him known. Like Jesus didn't stop living on purpose just because he was in a remote place. He didn't allow his seclusion to cause him to surrender his purpose. Because pain, pain can either be an excuse or pain can produce what God wants to do in your life. What are you allowing the pain to do? Is it allowing you to shrink back and stop? Or is it causing you to move forward, maybe with a different perspective? Jesus had compassion on the crowd. You ever thought that he maybe had a renewed sense of compassion because of the pain he was feeling? You ever notice that when you go through something, how much more you have compassion for people that have gone through it? You know, Seth and I, our family's walking through a, an interesting time right now, and uh, we tell the story, stories a lot about the king. If you're new here, Kingston's our, our six-year-old, and uh, he's had a really tough uh, year uh, getting into school, and um, and so we've been going through a journey with some, some doctors and some therapists, and, and uh, he's kind of officially been diagnosed, if you will, uh, on the uh, uh, SPD, or sensory processing disorder. And, and sometimes that's all that it is, and sometimes it's connected to other stuff, so we're still on a, a probably a very lengthy journey of figuring out what all doesn't quite fire and not fire uh, in that little boy's brain. And so he's so much fun. He lights up every room, but he really does have some, uh, some special needs, if you will. And it's, it's been a journey. It's been painful and it's been uh, uh, difficult. If you have kids in here, you know that, that the kids are difficult when they struggle with unique challenges. It could be even more difficult. But you can't allow pain to be an excuse 
to not live out the purpose that God has for you. Like Jesus showed, like he just lost his, his best friend. Like, I don't know what yours is. There's a, you can fill in the blank in this size room at South Orlando at Sanford watching online right now. Like your pain is real. I'm not minimizing your pain. I'm maximizing the mission. And I'm saying maybe, maybe God didn't initiate that pain because I don't believe that he did in our home. But maybe he's going to use that pain to give you a clearer picture of those around you. Maybe he's going to use that pain to give you purpose in an area that you never knew you would have purpose in. It can be an excuse or it can produce some, some new things. And what we see in this passage, some, some great things in our life. Pain. can change us. But it doesn't have to change us for the bad. God can produce something great through it. Let's go back to the story. Jesus shows us how. See, the, the disciples almost miss it. Like the, the disciples were so focused on their, their own selfish pain that they almost miss the miracle. Like, because you know, you know the disciples, we see this in a couple of the accounts, they say, hey, pa hey, pastor, hey, Jesus, the, hey, rabbi, the people are hungry. Like, you know good well, just Peter, James, and John are sitting back there like, I did not sign up for this. Like, where is the union for disciple workers? We should have a meal a day. Like, <clears throat> like Jesus hasn't fed anybody today. Like, thank you, Lord, for feeding us spiritually, but I got to eat. Like, I need to eat. And they almost miss the miracle because they're, they're complaining. They almost miss the miracle because they're, they're focused on their own thing. But God was to use our pain. Verse 19, look at this. Then he told the people to sit down on the grass. Jesus took the five loaves and two fish, looked up toward heaven, and blessed them. This next line is important. Then, breaking the loaves into pieces, breaking the loaves into pieces, he gave the bread. There's something so important here as we head into expansion season, as we head into trusting God more, not just in our finances, but in every area of our life that God wants to break some things down. And he wants to change some things. I thought about this this week, reading the scripture. All too often there is a blessing in the breaking. There's a blessing in the breaking. That God received what they had, then he blessed it, broke it, and gave it back. So they brought something that, that they thought was insignificant or insufficient, but it was still whole. And he said, no, this isn't good. I'm going I'm to break it, and I'm going to give it back to you. There's just some things that are better when they're broken. Some of you look at me like you're stupid. You're like, I thought this guy was dumb. Now he said that. Like, I'm out of here. No, I'm being for real. Like, this is, this is, there are things that are better that are broken. Come on, track with me. Eggs. They're better when they're broken. I'm not raising a chicken farm. I want to eat it. And to eat it, I have to break it. Come on, eggs. Put some hot sauce on there, a poached egg, over easy, over medium, over hard. Put it on a sandwich, a burger. Come on, somebody. I will throw a fried egg on a burger all day long. If you think it's gross, you have not tried it. Or you just don't know good food. Maybe you're back to the people at the beginning that were complaining about the fish. 
Things that are better that are broken. Ice is better when it's broken. Little cubes in my drink. Even better, crush that up a little bit more. The more you crush it, the more I like it. My dentist hates that I eat it, but I love it. It's better when it's broken. Come on, any, any sports people in here? Great game on last night, baseball game. Baseball gloves, better when they're broken. You gotta break that thing in. Gotta put a little rubber band around it, rub some oil on it, put it in the oven, put it in the microwave, sit it outside. Like there's so many different, it's better when it's broken. Ladies will get this, and guys like me that wear tight jeans, jeans are better when they're broken in. You think my jeans are tight when they're up here? That's like, that's, I haven't washed those in six years. If I washed them and dried them, you couldn't get in there. It's better when it's broken. Better when it's broken. Here's the last one. Kids noisy toys. They're better when they're broken. No parent ever bought a kid a noisy toy. That is ignorant aunts and uncles and grandparents that forgot about what it's like to have that toy. If I had another kid, I will break the person that gives me a noisy toy. There's blessing in the breaking. Sometimes God needs to break down some things in our life. There's a, a spirit of, of brokenness that God desires, not in the sense that he wants you to walk through pain, but he knows, he knows what it can produce. Psalm 34, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted, and he saves the crushed in spirit. Brokenness is just simply defined as, I have nowhere else to turn. Like, I've lost all of me. I, I've lost my pride, my arrogance. I picked up this humility, this, this healthy brokenness that God is just, have your way in my life. Psalm 51, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, humility. Oh, God, you will not despise. Psalm 147, he heals the brokenhearted and he binds up their wounds. Let's go to the New Testament, give you some context here. It says, when Jesus saw the crowds, Matthew 5, he went up on the mountain. And after he sat down, his disciples came to him. He opened his mouth and began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the humble, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, the broken, for they shall be comforted. There's blessing in the breaking. So I want to go back, verse 15, 16, specifically right now. And I'll talk about the things, two things that God wants broken in our life. Verse 15 and 16 says, That evening the disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place, and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy food for themselves. Let's just stop there for a second. If there's ever a time where you start a conversation with Jesus with you should. You shouldn't. Write this down. You shouldn't ever start a conversation with the Lord with you should. You ever been in a conversation maybe with a spouse or a boss or, or somebody that's really, it's important that the conversation goes well and you start it off and you already know it's not going well? Like the words are coming out of your mouth and as they're coming out of your mouth, you're trying to grab them and throw them back in. Or you totally abort the conversation like mid-sentence. You're like, well, you should try this new restaurant later. I was really, like you just, you see it going. That, that's really what should have happened to the disciples, but they missed it. And then Jesus, I love Jesus, he just throws it right back at me. You should do this, God. Jesus said, that isn't necessary. You feed them. They're like, no, wait, uh, 
Jesus. I don't know if you know this, I, uh, I, start, I started this conversation with remote place, like they don't, have, they don't, have, don't have any food, Jesus. Again, the spiritual food you've been providing for all of us is more than enough for me as your disciple. But these people are hungry, Jesus. He said, no, you, you feed them. Because God wants our thinking broken. I said it that way because I wanted you to think about it. God wants our thinking broken. When we've ascribed to ways of the world and analytics and strategy over God's truth, he, he wants it broken. We think we have it all together. You know the disciples did. They're back there planning, strategizing. Somebody go tell Jesus that everybody's hungry and maybe he'll stop preaching this whole series in one sermon. Like we can get a little break. Like when is week two? Can we just get day two? Can we just get a little breather? They had it all figured out, but Jesus said, no, your thinking is broken. And we're going to see in the next few verses, not only is it broken, it's way too small. He needs to break our thinking on some things. One of those that's affecting the church in this season is we have some wrong thinking when it comes to suffering. It's not popular to preach, but it's also why the church has retreated in this season because we didn't know that Christians had to go through anything. Like, well, I'm not going to go to church anymore. I'm not going to do this anymore. God must not be who he says who he says he is because I'm hurting or I, I lost a loved one or I lost my job or I lost influence and look at the world. Like, we, did, but have you read the New Testament? There's a principle that this ain't going to get much better. But that earth is not our home. Like it says, in this world, you will have trouble. Not you might. Like, Jesus ain't a liar. He hasn't done it yet. Like, he wasn't kidding. Oh, you kidder. <laughs> trouble's not like getting out late at church or being a little warm in here or not having a seat. Like, trouble's like global pandemic. Racial division. Divisive elections. It's trouble. And we're shocked because we had broken thinking we relied on the world. Through this passage over the next two weeks, I want to talk about how, how our, our thinking needs to be broken and rebuilt when it comes to how we invest our lives. When it comes to our time and specifically in this season of our church every year with our giving. Like they found this little boy, we, we, we see it in the other two uh, gospels, we're going to talk about him a lot uh, next week, but, but they find this little boy and they basically just steal his lunch. Like, like Peter just came and said, that's, that's now Jesus, this is the Lord, thank you so much. <laughs> I know sometimes you feel like the church has done that to you, that's, that we're not that type of church, like you give or you don't give, it's fine, we're not going to take anything from you. But they're like, no, you're, this, is, this is yours, I mean, this, is, this was yours, this is now mine. And they, they, they brought it to him. They brought it to Jesus like it wasn't enough. This is all we have. And I'm just here to tell you today as we go in these next two weeks, that's all God is asking for. He's not asking 
for you to fix everything or figure out everything. He's just asking, is what you have available for him to use? You ever thought about how we missed this miracle if the little boy would have went home with a sack of lunch? This is mine. I can't help that you didn't prepare. I can't help that you didn't come with all that you had. He said, no, no, somebody needs it? Oh, okay. What if our thinking changed? I said, this is mine. You didn't do enough. You didn't prepare enough. You, you got what you deserved. What if we change our thinking and how Jesus looked at you and me on the cross? Nobody wants what they deserve. So why do we treat people that way? The next thing he wants to change our thinking is, is our view of him, specifically in, in miracles and the power of God. Like this story, more than any other, shows you the magnitude of what God can do if we'll just get out of the way. And I want our thinking to change the church, that God is who he says he is, that he can do what he said he could do. And if you were at Counter or worshiping online with us a few weeks ago, we had hundreds of people, maybe an hour after service, people were still down here praying because we believe in the power of God. And when a pandemic hits and when we're not in control and we go through some things, we realize, hey, I don't really have it all together. And that is a recipe for miracles. When you say, God, I don't have it all together, but all that I have, you have access to. Like we need to change our thinking. Thank you for the front three rows that clapped here. Everybody else just missed it. They're like, no, I just, I want to think small and I want to have my own fish. That's <laughs> so dumb, but so true. What you feel right now is called conviction. It's from the Lord. Verse 16, verse 16. But Jesus said, that isn't necessary. You feed them. See, they were, they were trusting that, that the restaurant was gonna feed them. Like they were trusting that somebody else was gonna do it. They were trusting that they were gonna do it on their own. Like they were trusting it in the wrong system. And the second thing we need broken is God wants our trust broken. He wants to get rid of our excuses. He wants to get rid of the things that we've built our life on that's not on him. Our job, our relationship, our status, our neighborhood, where, where we live. He, he wants our trust not to be in things of this world but on him. He knew he knew, like he knew if he sent them away and said, you do it, they were going to go away, do their best, and then come back and say, God, we didn't do great, but this is all we got. And that's all he needs. That's all he needs. They didn't do a miracle. They went and robbed a kid. God can redeem anything. They just did all they could do. This is all we got here. Because sometimes God wants to break our trust. He wants to break our thinking. Here's the last one. God, God wants to break you and me so he can build us back the right way. It's not fun. It's a process, but it's needed. It takes some work, but it's needed. Take some faith, but it's needed. Where we're going as a church, where we're going as we continue to reach and connect people in the last days, like the spirit of the last days, like we talked about this summer with Pastor Chris. I need you to catch this. Good, good enough is just not good enough anymore. 
Like, it's, just, it's good enough. It's not. I'll illustrate it this way. Uh, when we were first uh, building the church, we moved our first office in, in Winter Springs, Florida. We rented this little office, and we do what any uh, young uh, business venture, entrepreneur, or just anybody that's just getting started on anything, or just people that love to be tortured. We went to Ikea. Come on, somebody. Yeah, you want to know what hell looks like? It's the seven levels of hell. That's not really biblical, but you know, it's, it's, it's Ikea. Anytime you walk in a store and they have to give you like a treasure map on how to get through it, you know you're, you're in for trouble. We're going to be here for a long time. We're going like, to be here for hours. You start walking around, you have no idea where to go. Ever. Can you imagine if there was a fire in Ikea, everybody would die. Where, where is the nearest exit? I don't even know where the end is from the beginning. I need a flight attendant. Like, the exit may be behind you. Where? There's seven employees in Ikea, and all of them are making meatballs. <laughs> Can't find anybody to ask anything. In their two hours, I love this, this couch. Well, sir, you can't buy this couch unless you go work in the warehouse for us for two hours. You'll find it on your own. It'll be in a box this big. I can't do it. I, can't. I, I just time out. Just pause. I can't do how companies make me work for them now. I love, I love me some Southwest Airlines, but now you, you print off your own bag tag and they put it on. And there's a person with, trained with a shirt and a name tag on watching me put my own bag tag on. Ma'am, only one of us is getting paid. And the other one's working right now. I don't get it. I don't get why I get asked to tip at Panera. My, my kids love Panera. We're there once a week. Mac and cheese in a bag, and then I got to clean it up after myself. I got to go scrape my own. I'm basically doing the dishes by the trash can. And they have the audacity to ask me to tip them. If you're a Panera worker in here, I'm sorry. You should work somewhere else. But you tip me. I'm going to swipe my card. You give me $3. I'm working for the next 15 minutes. I got two kids. There's stuff everywhere. Ikea, I got to go find my stuff. I got to go find it on a shelf. There's no bags. There's barely any carts. I'm just walking out with all my stuff. My desk that costs 74 cents, so it's worth it. Get back, and I remember this. <laughs> that had nothing to do with anything. I just wanted to have a little fun. I get this desk from Ikea. Pastor Jay Salamon and our expansion pastor here at Action Church, and it's one of our first trustees. We're, we're putting together these desks back in the day, not a whole lot of staff, and this is the last time I ever put together anything in the history of my life. And so um, we put it all together, and we feel pretty good about it. It took us about a week and a half, and so we get it all together because they give you those little tools. They only fit their stuff. Like I, I, feel like, I feel like there are people in Sweden just laughing at us Americans. Like, <laughs> look at these idiots. We put all this stuff in a box, and we're just, they're just, it, we are a social experiment. That's exactly what's happening with Ikea. We put the, the desk together and felt really good about ourselves. Like, you ever, you ever accomplished, like, putting together something really hard? You're like, I feel great. Well, we get there, and about a week later, I begin to start moving into this desk. We've kind of gone throughout the whole office, and I'm in my office, and I take out the drawer. And the drawer doesn't come out. Then I notice that none of the drawers come out. We put them all in backwards. And they didn't open. So I had a decision to make. How important are drawers? 
Because it took a lot of work to get to this point. Maybe, maybe this desk is, is good enough without drawers. Too many Christians with their view of generosity, sacrifice, the power of God, their trust, their thinking, have settled with this. This will do. This is good. Now, I can't use it any way that it's actually supposed to function except the top, but, but I'll, just, I'll just stay here because we're not willing to go through the work of allowing the, the Holy Spirit to break us down and to take us apart and then to build us back the right way. It's not going to be easy. I'm just telling you it's going to be worth it. There's some things that he needs to break off of your life today so that he can build it back the right way. I don't know who this is for. Some of you aren't functional. It's not good enough. It is broken. You say, Pastor, I'm not a functional desk. I'm still in the box. I'm a million pieces. Because of my own decisions or things that happened to me, I'm here to tell you today, if God can create the whole world from nothing, he can do something so special with your broken pieces. If you will give him access to all of your life. And that's my goal. Day, as we get ready to really dive into this story the next few weeks is that we would go in fresh rebuilt with a new perspective on what God wants to do on what God wants us to trust in on how God wants us to think He wants to break our thinking He wants to break the things that we trust other than him. Somebody in Winter Park or South Orlando or Sanford needs to hear today that he may just need to break you. And what I mean by that is to come into your life for the first time ever and just change all of you. Some of you just need God. Your creator, your Lord, and your Savior to come in to break it down and to rebuild it. Well, the good news is he can. If you will, give him your life. Give him access. And allow the Holy Spirit to begin to work out those things in you. I want to give that opportunity today. Every head bowed, every eye closed at all of our locations. If that's you today, you say, Pastor Justin, I, I need that brokenness. I need that humble, contrite, spirit inside of me. Today is my day of repentance. That is your step, by the way. Jesus lived a perfect life for you so he could die as the perfect substitute sacrifice as you, like in your place. He was raised to a new life three days later. The cross gives us forgiveness. The resurrection gives us victory. And our job is, is to repent. It is to make a change. How? is to confess that I don't have it all together, that I don't want to be in control of my own life anymore. That's why Romans 10 says, I confess Jesus with my mouth and believe in my heart that he is Lord. I'm giving him control. I'm giving him the manual, saying, build me back the way that you need me to be.
What if you did that today? You made a decision to follow Jesus. Some of you for the first time ever. Others of you, it's a recommitment. And it's a decision where you're going to give Jesus access to everything. So come on by raising your hands. I know who I'm praying with here at Winter Park, Sanford, South Orlando, worshiping with us online. Say, Pastor Justin, I'm in. Today is my day of salvation. For the first time, <coughs> or maybe for the first time in a long time. Would you raise your hand right where you are? Come on. Come on. Say, I need Jesus today. A broken spirit, a new spirit. A couple of stadiums. Center. Gotcha. Sanford. South Orlando. Would you praise in your hearts? I pray it out loud. Say this. Say, God, I love you. God, I thank you for saving me. Today I acknowledge that I'm a sinner. I'm saved only by your grace. And I'm confessing with my mouth and I'm believing in my heart that you are the Lord. And I'm giving you that place. Complete and total control. God, have your way in my life. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Now, God, I pray for all of us, every single one of us, Holy Spirit, this week, change the way we think. Change the things we trust in. Give us a bigger picture of you and what you want to do in this season of our church and in our lives. We love you. We praise you in this place. Everybody said amen. Action Church, can we celebrate all of those decisions? Come on, really celebrate them. Amen.